Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Bible study. This is where we dig into God's word. I just believe that as we study God's word, he's going to speak to our hearts tonight. There's something for each and every one of us. I'm always amazed when I preach a message People will come up and say, man, I got this out of your sermon. I'm like, man, I don't even remember saying that. But sometimes it's just the Holy Spirit impresses on people's hearts. But if we expect to be spoken to by God, God is faithful to speak. And so we've got to be hungry. We've got to be expectant that God has something for us tonight. We're finishing up the book of Galatians. I think we've been at this for a couple years. I'm excited about the next book. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is yet. But I'm still excited about it. So next week, we're going to start a whole new series. But we've been studying this series. Galatians is the theme of it is stand firm in your freedom. And that's we see that around the world today, how important freedom is and how important it is as Christians that we do not be bound with legalism and religion, but we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that should be liberating. As Christians, we should feel so free. And that we, we know we're forgiven. We know heaven's our home. And, and there's so much good in our life that that should inspire us to never give in to anything that will bring bondage. If Satan can't have you in bondage of sin, he'll have you in bondage of legalism. He takes us to those extremes. So we started last week, the last lesson, in conclusion. And we know that like many pastors, Paul had a long conclusion. It went on for a while. And so let's look at that, Galatians 6, verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So this is a review of what we studied last week. Roman numeral one, Paul's signature. The first part of the letter may have been dictated by a a scribe, but letter B, Paul uses his own handwriting to authenticate the letter as he did on other occasions. And letter C, the large letters may indicate the theory that Paul had problems with his eyesight, or it may have been to emphasize the points he's about to make. Roman numeral two, Paul's warning. So we had Paul's signature, Paul's final warning. The true reason for the Judaizers' emphasis on circumcision, they wanted to impress people, they were fearful of persecution, and they wanted to boast about their own righteousness. How many know those things are not good? Trying to impress people, fearful, and then about boasting. These three vices will always try to lure a believer into compromise. Number one, the praise of man. Number two, the fear of man. And number three, the pride of man. Those are the, the dangers in our lives that we need to watch out for. Letter C. The ulterior motive for their overemphasis on circumcision was they wanted to boast. They wanted to fit in, number two. 
But may our only boast be in Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says, let another man praise you, don't praise yourself. And don't boast in yourself, boast in Jesus. And that's what Ecclesiastes say. I believe it's in Ecclesiastes that the battle is not always to the strong, the race is not always to the swift. Uh, but the, the timing of the Lord and the ordination of the Lord determines what happens. And so if we're going to boast, we need to boast in Jesus. And through the death of Jesus, the world in us has been crucified and we have been crucified to the world. That's where we left off. Roman numeral three, Paul's marks. Now Paul explains the main argument of the Judaizers. Number one, they claimed circumcision was a prerequisite for salvation. Again, Paul had led these people to the Lord. Then the Judaizers came in and they said, yes, Jesus is necessary for salvation, but you also have to live under the law. And so Paul was trying to stop that because he knew what would end, they'd end up becoming legalistic and bound by the law all over again. You can be bound by the law or be bound by sin. And so letter A, external changes alone count for nothing. How many of you know that sanctification is from the inside out? God changes our heart from the inside out. The Pharisees look great on the outside. And Jesus said, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're full of death. I mean, Jesus nailed them. And so they had the external appearance uh, of righteousness and of being right with God, but their hearts were wicked and evil. And so external cha change, you can change your clothes, you can change your look. Uh, that does not necessarily mean that someone has changed their heart. Letter B, it is the transformation of the heart that matters and results in genuine change. We have to change our heart, and that changes our mind, and that changes our way of thinking, that changes our way of acting, and, and it all starts from the inside. Letter C, outward circumcision alone was never what God intended, even in the Old Testament, but circumcision of the heart. Look at these scriptures. These are Old Testament. Deuteronomy, this is part of the Pentateuch. Deuteronomy 10.16, God said, Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. Because again, the Jewish people, they felt as long as they, had, they were circumcised physically, they could do anything they wanted inside their hearts. And God all along wanted our hearts, not just our flesh. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart with all your soul and with all you with and live. And so again the emphasis is that our hearts would be impressed upon by the Lord as we're going to see. Jeremiah 4:4. 4, 4. Now, Deuteronomy was before the exile. Jeremiah is right before their exile to Babylon. So Jeremiah says again, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, circumcise your hearts you men of Judah and people of Jerusalem, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. So all along, outward circumcision was supposed to just be a symbol of what God had done to someone's heart. But what it became is the only evidence. If you're circumcised, you're saved. If you're not circumcised, you're not saved. And that is not the scriptures. So number two... 
There is no need for an outward phys physical religious symbol to prove one's salvation. Now, one exception I might make is bap water baptism. Because the Bible tells us to get baptized. We know that baptism does not save us, but it is the testimony that we are saved. And so, Jesus, if Jesus said to do something, we should obey. And I, I have found people that have served Christ a long time, but have never been baptized. And it's not like, you know, and we know the thief on the cross was not baptized and he went to paradise. But God wants us to be baptized. And, and I think especially if you were baptized as a baby, you should be baptized as an adult. Because it, it needs to be your decision. Salvation precedes baptism, not the other way around. And so what had happened, there's, I had a couple courses in church history in, in seminary. So it was kind of fascinating to trace baptism, where it came from. A lot of it had to do with also nationality. You were not only baptized as a Christian, you were baptized as a German, or you were baptized as a Swiss, or whatever. So it got real connected with nationalism as well. And so they also felt like once they started emphasizing baptism for salvation, we should get them saved as soon as possible. So once, that's why they started baptizing babies, because they believed the, the act of baptism alone saved you. And we know that's not true. And so there's, we, we don't have to be physically circumcised to be saved, bless God. We don't need to have you know, an outward evidence other than baptism as a testimony. But the outward evidence is our life. And that's number three. The greatest evidence is a changed life. I'm telling you what, you may not be able to argue all the theology, but you cannot argue with a changed life. And when there's somebody that was in sin and darkness and away from God and they get radically saved, then you, you can't argue with that. And you see the greatest power in the world is the Holy Spirit. And, it, and he has the power to change lives. And, and that's the greatest testimony you have is I was blind, but now I see. God has changed my life. And some of that is instantaneous. Some of that is a process. That's sanctification. But your greatest testimony is, is how you live. It's not just an outward act. It's how we live our life day to day. And none of us will be perfect in this life. But how many know there should be a change? If, you, if you've been saved there will be evidence of that in your life. Second Corinthians, uh, number three, oh, I'm sorry, I said that. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. This is one of the first scriptures they teach you in Teen Challenge. I'm a new creation, the old is gone. And so don't you just see that liberty People have been set free. That's the testimony. That's the proof that you're saved. Now, why do you think people, some people prefer an outward religious symbol to a changed life? It's harder, yes. What else? How about some want to go to heaven, with, but they don't want to change. <laughs> They'd rather have a, a, an outward symbol that says this saves me instead of having to actually let God change our lives. It's, it's, it's harder to, to make the changes. 
than it is to wear a symbol. It's much harder for your life to change, although God will give us the power through the Holy Spirit. So capital letter B, this is what God promises. So we saw what the Judaizers promised, what they offered. God's offer is much better. Number one, he offers his peace and mercy to all who accept salvation by grace and continue walking in it. This is what God promises. Number two, the promise is especially true for the Jewish people who are still God's chosen. I encourage you sometime to read Romans chapter 11. It's an amazing chapter. Whereas God, God says that all of Israel will be saved someday. And it may happen during the tribulation, but God still loves the Jewish people. And, and as believers, we should love Israel. We should love the Jewish people because we're grafted in. They're the natural vine. We're, we're the wild vine that was grafted in. And Romans 11 says, those of you who are Christians, you know, don't get arrogant. You know, just because you, you've, you've received the grace and they haven't yet. And so we should believe and pray for the Jewish people that they would receive their Messiah. And so Romans 11 really speaks about how God has not given up on Israel. And God has not given up on the Jewish people. And that we should remain humble. Because, you know, we've, we've, we've come along after them. And the promise started with them. Now, this is something that's very fascinating. Capital letter C. Paul bore the marks of Jesus. Now, this is how he's signing off in his letter. I bear the marks of Jesus. What does that mean? Well, let's define the word in the Greek. The word is stigmata. Have you ever heard of that word before? This is the only time this word is used in the entire Bible. One time in this passage. Stigmata means a mark carved in or branded upon the body of slaves or cattle in order to identify their owners. So that's what this word means. It was a brand, or it was a cut, or it was some kind of tool that would, would leave a scar or a, or a mark on someone's body. And this is fascinating, because it, it was meant for slaves, but it was also meant to identify who the owner of this slave was, or, or cattle, or along those lines. Now, the word stigmata, has the meaning has changed over time to where people actually believed that they had the... Because the stigmata also represents the wounds of Christ, the nails in the hands and the feet and the side. And that there are some mystics in church history that claim to have the wounds of Christ. One of them was St. Francis of Assisi. He claimed that he had stigmata, and it became this very weird, non-biblical thing. And, and, to, and to even now where statues are crying and, and bleeding, that's all called stigmata. I do not believe in, in the, the truth of that because it's not scriptural. And so when Paul is saying he bears the stigmata of Christ, he's not talking about the literal wounds like stigmata addresses up. In English... Stigma, number two, 
is defined as a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. Isn't it interesting where our words came from? Stigmata comes from the Greek, stigmata. And the word stigma is the English version of that word, and it means a mark of shame, a mark of disgrace. And how many know that Jesus did bear our shame on the cross? And he bled and he died. And so all of this has real deep meaning in it. Number three, Paul had suffered greatly for his commitment to the message of the grace of Jesus, and he had the scars to prove it. So I'm going to get into this a little deeper, but the, the mystical stigmata is not biblical that, that mystics have done through church history. But we, too, are to bear the marks of Christ. Now, what does that mean? It's not that our hands will bleed or our feet will bleed. I don't, I don't believe that. that is what it means. But there is certain marks that we bear. I want you to think about that. What marks of Christ do we bear? Let's look at some of the marks that Paul bared. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 5. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. That's what Paul went through. That's the marks that he's talking about. Let's look even further, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Now, the, the principle was that 40 lashes would kill a man. So they would only give you 39. They would bring you right to the point of death. And this was a cat of nine tails, which was a whip that had bone and nails and metal woven into the, the, nine, the nine strands. If you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ, you see, you see a cat of nine tails. And so, and it tore the flesh from the body. Paul did that five times. Can you imagine having scourged like that five times. And then that's not the only thing. Three times, verse 25, I was beaten with rods, which they still do in some countries. They, they cane you. Remember the caning of that American teenager years ago because he had done, violated the laws? Uh, we can, those of you who, grew, who are older can probably say you grew up with that, <laughs> beaten with rods. Mine was a Hot Wheels track. Anybody got the Hot Wheels track? That was, I always picked the wrong time to leave out my Hot Wheels. Or the willow switch. We had a weeping willow, and I know why they call it a weeping willow. It brought a lot of weeping in my life. But again, obviously, we're, I don't know if that was good or bad, but we shouldn't be beating our children, okay? That we know we shouldn't be doing. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He meant with rocks, not with something else. You've got to clarify that. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times. And 
one, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. He was floating on wood for a day and a night in the ocean. And then we, we know that story. He finally landed and got bit by a snake after all that. I don't know about you, but if you'd gone through a shipwreck and you, you survived and then you're trying to gather wood and a snake bites you, it's like, really, God? Really? Is, but he shook it off and it was a poisonous snake and it caused a great revival. So yeah, it's okay. Verse 26, I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Wow, those are some marks. And I want you to know that every time we suffer for Christ, there's a great reward. In fact, the Bible says if you give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, you won't lose your reward. So even acts of kindness, God rewards. But none of us bear these, have borne the marks like Paul, and certainly not like Jesus. But here's why we are, we are marked in a way. Number four, Paul's marks identified who owned him. Remember, that's what stigmata means. It's a brand or a piercing that identified who owned you. And so those marks identify us with Christ. The trials and tribulations, the persecutions, identify us that we're children of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. When you come to Christ, your life belongs to God. Your body belongs to the Lord. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't reside in buildings. He resides in people. And so we, we have to remind ourselves that we belong to the Lord. We also have to remind ourselves that our children and our grandchildren belong to the Lord. We dedicated them, and if they've gone astray, we keep believing that the Lord's gonna bring them home. And we don't give up praying for that because we, get, we know who owns them, even if they don't know it yet or at this time. 1 Corinthians 7.23, you were bought at a price, do not become slaves of men. Now what's interesting is remember, stigmata was a brand or a burning or a cutting of slaves or, or cattle, and we too are slaves. Look at number five. When we become Christians, we become slaves of God. Now let's, let's see the difference. How many know it's much better to have God as your master? by far than any other earthly master. And we know that modern slavery is evil. We know that slavery of men was wrong. But there is still for us to understand that you're going to be a slave of the world or you're going to be a slave of God. There's really no choice. Look at Romans 6.16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves... You are slaves to the one whom you obey. There it is. 
whoever you obey your slaves to, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. The key is obedience. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Isn't that great? You're no longer a slave to sin. It doesn't own you. It's not your master. It does not control you anymore. And verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death, talking about sin. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. So you're going to be a slave to the enemy, or you're going to be a slave to God. And we know Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so... You're a slave of whomever you obey. And so our obedience proves that God is our master. Now this is interesting. Number six. In the tribulation, the beast will require every person to have his mark. Isn't that fascinating that it's about the mark that you bear? Now, we see this that that this is a serious thing. And it's amazing the technology that's happening today where you can get a chip implanted in your wrist. We're, we're very close to this. And we even see it in some of our, the freedoms that are being taken away, that if you don't do certain things, they're going to take some freedoms away. Look at what's going to happen in Revelation 13, verse 16. The beast... He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark. Now, this is a different Greek word. It's not stigmata. It's karagma. It's a very similar meaning word. It's, a, it's, it's another impression. It's a scar. It's a mark. On his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Now, we've known this for years, haven't we? Those of you who, who read the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, you know, and got us all, and the rapture movies, and, and got us all scared into heaven. Uh, and I remember when the first credit card came out, it, the church was like, it's the mark of the beast! And in some ways it is, because <laughs> it put us all in debt, which is a terrible thing. But uh, so a lot of times we keep saying, it's the mark of the beast, it's the mark of the beast. But now it's getting closer than ever when these chip implants are taking place. Don't, I, I don't care, I won't let it happen. I'm not going to take that mark. And it'll probably be something like that. Now, again, it's a mystery. It says the number adds his number is 666. It, it calculates to that. So we don't know what that exactly means. But I do believe, well, let's hope we're not here for one thing. Come, Jesus, come in the rapture. But there will be, there will be people in the rapture uh, after, that miss the rapture. And they will be through the, go through the tribulation 
There will be people, believers, that get saved in the tribulation. Uh, but there will be a higher price to pay. Many will give their lives. But, so we know there will be Christians underground that can't even buy food or buy and sell because they have to have this mark. So which mark do you want to bear? The one that, the marks of Jesus or the mark of the beast? We want to, if you bear the marks of Jesus, don't be afraid. You won't need to worry about the mark of the beast. You have the mark of Christ on you. And that is his love, his grace. Number seven, the marks of Jesus on Paul's body proved his authority as an apostle. He paid the price. And so number eight, therefore, those who would contribute to troubling him after seeing these marks would prove they really weren't true believers. Because he had people attacking him, accusing him of not being a true apostle. Paul often opened and concluded his letters with a blessing of grace. And before we close this, this book, what are some of the marks of Jesus we may need to bear today? What, what do you think that would be? Not the mystical stigmata, but what marks? Yes. Paul suffered because he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There may be a time that you are Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's ex exactly right. Now, what's interesting? So, I don't know if anybody watches the Marvel movies and anything like that, but the Guardians. What are they called? Guardians. Of the Galaxy. Thank you. So what's the main guy? Star-Lord. Star-Lord, okay. Do you know the actor's name? Anybody know? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt is a born-again Christian. And they're, they're trying, there's a petition going around to get him off the movie because he's a vocal Christian. They're trying to get him fired from his job because he's not ashamed. And his wife is a Christian, which is, who's related to... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is kind of interesting, but his wife is a committed Christian too. And so, and I'm not saying the man's a perfect man, but I respect his boldness. He, he professes Christ, and now they're trying to get him removed, trying to take his job. And that's going to happen more and more if, because, and he's done nothing but, put, but proclaim the name of Jesus. And, and the petition that's going around is because they're saying because he is vocal about his faith. Well, yeah, we're supposed to be, but the world wants to shut us up. And so uh, to me, this is a big deal. This is the beginning of, you know, when, and of course we know Hollywood does destroy a lot of people that are conservative or Christian. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to be in that industry and and to keep your faith, and to share your faith. But I, boy, I respect him, that he's willing to take that price. Uh, so you're right. Will we be ashamed? Will we be vocal? And there, there are different kinds of persecution. We may not be like Paul and got beat with rods, but it, I, I believe it'll be something more like that that will, that will struggle on our jobs. There will be pressure 
at work. Uh, there'll be different ways that people try to uh, persecute us for our faith. But the reality is, is there are Christians giving their life right now for Christ. And if you ever go to persecuted.com, it's, the, uh, it's about the, uh, the martyrs report. It, it records where Christianity is most persecuted, which is in North Korea right now, even worse than uh, uh, other, other nations. But you also find out Christians who are given their lives. So we're, we're pretty easy here in America, but I don't think it may happen for long. And so we just need to be ready. We need to be ready to say yet. We need to identify with who owns us. And we're not ashamed. We belong to Jesus. We belong to God the Father. And and we are willing to identify ourselves that way. And so let's just go to the Lord and ask ask him to help us represent him well. Because we, we are the light to the darkness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for bearing the marks on your body, the holes in your hands and feet, and the spear in your side. Lord, you bled, you bore those marks, Lord, so that we could be forgiven and we could have eternal life. But Lord, you also told us we all have a cross to bear. Lord, there's something we have to carry, just as you did, Jesus. Give us that strength to carry our cross and to honor you with our life and Lord, may, this, may the world see Jesus through us and through your church. Lord, I just pray you give us courage and confidence. And Lord, that we, we know who we belong to, and that's you. In Jesus' name, amen. Next Sunday, we'll, or on Sunday, we'll announce the new study for Wednesday nights. Sunday school at 9 o'clock. We've got a couple great Sunday school classes going on at 9 o'clock. And then we'll have our service at 1030 and our Sunday night service, the worship and the word and prayer on Sunday night. Don't forget the women's event as well this this Friday. God bless you folks. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.